I hate her so much. I wish I could just run away. Oh, you do? Well, then go on then. That was my mother catching me in one of my huffy little cries about something she did to make me upset with her when I was a little kid. I want to talk about um, how to take care of yourself in today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. This is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to it. So let's get to how to take care of yourself on the other side of the flip. Going to an HBCU, and for those of you who are not familiar with that, that stands for Historically Black College and University in the United States, I was treated to a smorgasbord of top thinkers that would come through on the university speaking uh, circuit. We had everyone from the Conscious Brothers to the Reparations to the Know Your History to the Them Against Us, and all of them had a theme throughout them that I didn't realize was being programmed into my psyche. And that was, don't nobody owe you nothing. And in the end, you need to be able to take care of yourself. Now, I migrated to this stuff because of curiosity and um, my observer's perch that I loved when looking at stuff go down and learning things. But I was also taken aback because it had reminiscent um, moods and hints and memories of growing up. When I was young, my grandparents, and I know I've probably talked about this before in other podcasts, but my grandparents were the children of the Depression. They had grown up around that time as kids when things were really tight. And because of that, they developed a healthy skepticism. And I'm really going to be talking about that in another podcast of putting the responsibility of taking care of yourself on others. You see, they didn't trust in anybody. I was raised by a grandfather who would tell me quite often, he would say, Michelle, in God we trust, everybody else we check out. He would tell me, don't put your trust in man. And he would (laughs) mangle the Bible verse that would come with it. But I got it. And so when I would go to these lectures on campus uh, in my um, undergraduate university days, I would sop up everything. I studied uh, ancient co- uh, the ancient comet- comedic practices. I uh, went back and reviewed the revolutions, the Marcus Garveys and the Malcolm X's and all of those, I think, prerequisites to being able to shape and form a mind in today's society where you'll be able to not lose yourself in your identity in a culture and a cause. And when I came through that, I remembered growing up and being upset with my mom when she would do something to me and having that little conversation with myself where I just should run away. And um, I will say it wasn't once, twice, or even three times that she said, go on. Uh, and But she would also end it with, you'll be home by dinner. And I took that to heart because I was like, when I'm a big girl, I'm going to take care of myself. And I, surprisingly enough, I've not looked back. Since I left my parents' home, I've always, quote unquote, taken care of myself. Now, not to the extent that I think we need to now. 
which is why I'm bringing up uh, the college days and all of this stuff. One of um, the things that I learned, and now I'm starting to hear it again. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. It cycles. It just cycles. And that was during those days, they t- uh, when, when these speakers would come and get us riled up, they were like, it's not just good enough to have revolution and revolt. And they weren't telling anyone to be an anarchist or break the laws. They weren't saying that. I kind of look at them as the grandparents to the survivalists and preppers of today. What they believed was, if you're going to stand your ground, if you're going to go off grid, if you're going to say I'm an autonomous being, you need to be able to provide for yourself. How can you say, I am not going to live under the rules of this society and not be able and be willing to take care of yourself and provide things that you used to get from the society? One of the funniest um, renderings of this is I I remember a um, professor who he just, I think he just liked to be contrary. And it, it, it always ended that we would have his classes on Mondays. I don't know what it was with Dr. Doss that he would love early Monday, early morning Monday classes. And everybody would come in riled and pumped up from those Saturday t- on-campus talks and, and then going back to your little huddles and communities and further talking about it. And Dr. Doss would be like, oh, that okay, that's fine. But today we're going to do statistics. And and uh, we're going to behave like we are a part of society and community. <laughs> and he just he, he was I'm laughing because he had this this this, this thick accent uh, from his homeland of India. And uh, he was little, but he was very powerful and he was very direct in how he dealt with us. And he was like, in the meantime, until you learn how to take care of yourself in your new village that you're going to start, uh, we're going to plot these axes and, and find the coefficients between these values and statistics. And everybody was settled down because they knew Dr. Doss was not playing. But he had a point. And he had a point that I, I kind of see today. And that's why I'm actually talking about uh, this wisdom smack of how to take care of yourself. Because it's not just enough to get off of the grid, if you will, or um, get off of being able to go out there and um, grow your own food, hunt your own food, uh, provide for yourself against uh, enemies large and small. You also have to know how to take care of yourself to be able to... um, Encourage yourself in your in your mental capacity. One of the things that I remember when I was um, first uh, becoming an adult, and I'm talking about after grad school, uh, having to live on my own, pay my bills, and all of that. It wasn't so much the money. It wasn't the struggle of of that. It wasn't even trying to find my place in this new world where I wasn't able to have a huge amount of friends because we had to be together in a college setting. No, it was the mental game. It it was the understanding that um, I am alone, but I am not alone. And that moving from being a benefactor of society to a contributor of society was was the big thing. And I I think now that that is uh, one of the things that 
I, I thought as a little kid, I thought that running away from home because my mother upset me, I would automatically gain this autonomy and that I would become the sovereign being of all of my domain and everything that I did. And just her quick little things like, you'll be home in time for dinner. <laughs> they, they sounded mean at the time, but they were true. And it wasn't just because I wanted the food. It was because I was going to miss my mom. I love my mom. I love my sisters and brothers, no matter what I might say in any of these podcasts. And if any of those people are listening, you know how I feel. So it was an eye opener for me growing up and going through these these phases only to understand that taking how to take care of ourselves is not necessarily all about learning how to uh, grow a garden hunt for, you know, meat, if, if you know, if you eat meat, uh, how to shoot a gun to protect your property. It's not just that. There is also this need of being able to interact with others. You see, growing, uh, going through um, the, the lifespan development cycle, there are certain little things that a lot of times we poo-poo on, but we need. Like, people don't understand that jealousy and the need for people to like us those are those are traits that we don't like we 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 want to squash them and make them as min- minuscule as possible but those are some of the endearing traits that help us to take care of ourselves because and I'm not advocating for being jealous I'm not advocating for coveting what someone else has I'm not advocating for um being a um, an attention whore, I'm not advocating for any of those things. But what I am saying is, is that they have a they have a root in how to take care of ourselves. Because if you become apathetic, if you become totally withdrawn, and if you become a, a person who would a hermit who would rather not have um, the interaction with others, then either your health declines or your mental state declines or both they have all they have they have new studies and and there are studies that show that people who live a solitary existence can a lot of times develop uh, broken heart syndrome because they're not interacting with other people and so part of taking care of yourself is is not necessarily to just become um sufficient in in applying the physical side of what you need there is this mental side and unlike what i was taught or given during uh these lectures and all of these fantasies of being able to be off the grid and do my own thing the way i wanted it i had to learn that part of being able to take care of our, myself was to take care of my mental capacity and my mental health and unfortunately for me, I had it wrong for my formative years. And, you know, in hindsight, I believe it was because I was stuck in a house with six kids, two, you know, two adults. And we were in the traditional three bedroom, one bath at that time growing up. And that was a lot of people. And I guess my fantasy was to just not have to be around a lot of people. But I'm thankful because my mother would say little things like, um, I wanted 
there to be a lot of kids because socializing knocks the rough edges off of your personality. And she was right. You know, I've told you before that my mother was a child sociologist, so she was really into the formative stages and observing how people grow and the the whole nurture and nature um, argument of her day and in her, um, her particular industry was really important. And she wanted us to be able to assimilate well into society. Now, she wanted us to be a leader and especially a leader of our own, not necessarily having to have people follow us. But she also wanted us to to be able to take care of ourselves with a good mental regimen. Think about it. When's the last time you you had to interact with someone who is obviously socially awkward, not because of any kind of spectrum disorder, but because they are unversed, unskilled, untrained, and inexperienced when it comes to being socially astute, having social interaction and social intelligence and emotional intelligence. I've talked before about the need for social and emotional intelligence and why it is becoming even more important in today's society. And it also helps us to be able to be self-sufficient, to take care of ourselves. How would it be If you spent all this time learning how to isolate and learning how to take care of yourself off the grid, only to find out that everybody has had to learn this and everybody is um, uh, on their own, but those other people learned how to interact with others so that they could stay peaceful with them, so that they could have a community um, that didn't rely on each other um, in the in the sense of um, having to take care of each other, but just in friendship so that they could have uh, companionship. It still matters. And no matter how much Uh, we grow, how much we learn, we still are built to associate. You know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about this uh, book I read a long time ago, and I cannot, you guys, I tried to remember the name of it, but it was a flower essence book uh, for horticulture. And at the time I was reading it and I was just reading it because it was there. (laughs) Um, I I don't remember exactly where I was, but I picked it up. And then I was like, wow, this is nice because it was like a compendium of different flowers and what their essence does for us in humanity. But there was this one part that that struck me and I did not get a chance to read all of it because like I said, I was somewhere and it wasn't my book, but it was interesting. And so they talked about um, these studies that happened in Europe where uh, the scientists planted uh, rows and rows of vegetation and um, And they tried to replicate what a sect of people who lived off of the grid and they, they weren't a cult or any of that kind of stuff. They just lived off the grid, but they were friendly to each other. And they said that they started noticing that when, um, they honored uh, people's um, autonomy and sovereignty, as well as the plants and the animals' autonomy and sovereignty, that the plants started talking to them. (laughs) That the plants started telling them that 
one of the, the, the biggest things that they wish for humanity is that they would understand that like the plants and the animals are in a network ecology, so are humans. And that because humans don't realize that they're in this, um, this ecology, that it causes a lot of schisms and pains within us that cause us to destroy ourselves and in turn them because we go to destroying the grounds and the earth. Um, now, I am not saying that they were talking about wars, but I do know that our conflicts usually have a lot of collateral damage. So I'm reading this and I'm intrigued with it. And um, it, it got me to, to thinking about um, going through these lectures of, you know, resist the powers that be and all this kind of stuff and learn how to be self-sufficient, own your land, grow your own stuff, get your own water. Don't um, expect for the government to, to, um, always be there and don't expect them to not do anything harmful to you and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, and I, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, and not once did they say and learn how to live peaceably with each other, learn how to continue to hone your skills of social interaction and emotional interaction. Um, growing up, I lived in this small town, as you, you've probably heard. And I, I think a lot of small towns have their indigent and their uh, mentally challenged people. I really do. But I remember we had uh, Elijah and there's a lot of Elijahs I am finding out. A lot of them. I'm wondering if they're not angels unawares. But anyway, um, so we had our Elijah and um, he was always smiling and always nice. And one thing about Elijah, Elijah was very peaceful. Elijah was very smart. And Elijah, whenever... Uh, he was discerning. So whenever Elijah decided to talk to you when he's walking the streets or, you know, you're walking by him or whatever, if he gave you a word or he talked to you, it was it was an, an event to the point where people allowed him to do his thing. Um, I heard tell that a lot of times people offered him homes, lands and all of that. And he was like, no, I meant to commune with the earth. And um, as best I can tell, our Elijah, he was never... Um, smelly or any of that. He did have his long locks uh, uh, that were locked and um, he dressed in like sandals and a pair of shorts, no matter uh, the, the the weather. But he, he was not offensive. He, he was not all of that. And yet he was part of the, the fabric of our society and he was well-versed on uh, interacting with people in a way that didn't run them off. And it amazed me how he had this faith and this trust that the land would provide and that he was one with the land. And I would venture to say that Elijah was probably one of the most harmonious people I've ever encountered in my life. And I would even say he kind of probably sort of maybe knew how to take care of himself very well. So what's the wisdom smack? Why did I tell you about my little huffs and puffs of wanting to run away? <laughs> and um, those, now that I look at them, the regular militant college uh, 
contrarian fare that I, I listened to. And, and then, you know, growing up and all this stuff and learning how to pay my bills and stuff. I told you that because as of today, they have actually started coming out with new research on developing and naming the different types of aloneness we have. And they're talking about the ripple down effects of it. As of this recording, they are saying that this is one of the highest percentages and times when the human race is not copulating, meaning we're not having sex. And um, last time I checked, for the most part, if you don't have sex, you don't procreate, you don't expand, and you don't continue to further the cause of your species. And it is kind of uh, alarming in that we are at this point now where we have the most technologically advanced Uh, ways of living to our known understanding, because if you believe what the ancients say, uh, this is not our first go round and we were more technologically advanced the last time. But at this particular time, through this particular timeline, this is, we're at the apex of where we've been. Um, they, They have it now. No joke, you guys, you can purchase a home that will self-sustain itself and you can plop it down just about anywhere and it will recycle its water it, and its air. It's runoff of solar. Um, there are even other um, structures that you can build that you can have uh, your gardens and everything inside. And it's like a, a machine. It just it just runs itself. You know, so we have that down. We have uh, ways to to grow things, whether we have soil or not, hydroponics. We have so much, and yet and still, we still do not know how to take care of ourselves in a healthy way. And the wisdom that I'm getting is that getting us to be able to understand how to grow and hunt and take care of ourselves was the elementary ABCs. Now, to put the the words and the symbols together, we need to move past that. And now it's time for us to learn how to take care of ourselves, to be responsible for ourselves when we interact with others, to grow our emotional intelligence inside so that we understand and can help ourselves to get past our emotional hangups, and then to grow our social intelligence so that we can understand how to interact with others in society. One of the things that I notice as a, um, a romance writer is that um, we are usually purveyors of that part of the conversation. A lot of people, it used to be just young folks, but now it, it can be anyone. A lot of people will pick up a romance novel and they may come with the, a determination or maybe not. But they pick up on how people relate to each other in the area of of love and friendship a lot of times through those romance novels. And so me, myself, when I'm writing that, I take that into account and I make certain I can't speak for any other romance novelist. But for me, when I'm writing these things down, I show the camaraderie between a group of friends. I show when something is healthy and when something is not. I show the internal growth that that character needs to have and must go through to be able to be worthy of the relationship that she is engaged in. And I show how to be emotionally stable and socially viable so that she is a strong 
person able to take care of herself. One of the things that I despise and that we get a bad rap for, especially in the romance sector, is outsourcing your emotional well-being. That only with this guy or this other girl or whatever your sexual orientation is, only with that can you be sustainably uh, healthy and happy. And only with that can you uh, matriculate through society as a viable individual. Now, I know these are fictional characters, but, but hang with me for just a second on this. And it has... It's got, I mean, I, I think it's starting to stop because we have moved past that. And and so when I know I write and I know quite a few authors uh, create these characters, we create them with the hopes that they will reflect and not necessarily just show or teach, but reflect what it means to be healthy, to make mistakes, but to also own your own crap. Own what it means to take care of yourself, not just the fact that you can pay your own bills, not just the fact that you can um, build your own whatever or change your car um, tires or maintenance, not that. That's a given. We got that down. But being able to take care of your own self is to be able to provide your own happiness. And instead of looking for somebody else to make us happy, like I used to when I was a kid and then wanted to run away when my mother didn't make me happy. No, instead of that, learning to grow enough to be able to make myself happy so that when I interact with people, they should only add to my happiness. I have this understanding with my significant other that our jobs are not to make each other happy. They are to hopefully add to it and not take away from it too much. Because if we're taking away from each other's happiness, then it's time for me to move on or or him to move on. It just is what it is. And uh, that's part of how to take care of yourself. So rounding this back around, the wisdom smack that I went through. And I, like I said, I, when I learned about how to take care of yourself, it was always presented to me as in being self-sufficient. But now I'm learning that that's just the baseline. We can learn a lot from the plants and the flower essences that tell us that we are a network, that we are in a grid together. And when we either deny our responsibility to be emotionally and socially invested, or when we usurp other people's rights to have that, we cause disrespect and we cause disarray in this network where we could be so much stronger together if we would just do that. So no matter what, even if we all start living off of the grid, even if we all start becoming self-sufficient, it does us no good. If we have bad actors on the scene causing havoc, it does us no good if we have people who don't know how to be emotionally stable enough to not cause havoc in the lives of others. It, it, it just, it is what it is. You know, um, I think I have a little bit of time to tell this other story, but um, there was this this guy who came in for uh, counseling and it was about um, his significant other, his girlfriend. 
And he was saying how toxic she was, but he loved her so much and he just could not seem to let her go, even though she wreaked havoc with his family to the point where his family begged him. They were like, please, we cannot have this. Please do not make her a part of this family. And when it came down to it and uh, he had to admit it, he had to admit that she was neurotic. She was emotionally unstable. And in that emotional instability, neurotics love a pattern of drama. They are only able to function when there is high drama. And so knowingly and unknowingly, they can create drama because that's how they function and how they feel safe. And he had not been in that. And so he had to learn that, oh, wow, maybe my love for her is wrapped up in my need to protect and to uh, uh, have that knight in shining armor effect on people. And once he got to that point, he was able to have a relationship with her where he explained to her, I am going to help you get on your feet to this point. And once you do... I want you to either show me that you're you're going to do better and we can grow together. And if not, we got to call it quits. Well, it took a few years, but he ended up calling it quits. And as soon as he did, an emotionally stable and emotionally available woman came into his life that he loved and the family loved and <laughs> they got married. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Um the original reason he came in was that he had a bad habit that he wanted to get rid of, but he knew that it was a crutch. Now, I'm not going to tell you all the specifics about my clients because that's just not how we roll. But I will say this. Once he figured out what his role was and how he was going to continue to grow and be able to take care of himself, all of the residual issues surrounding the young lady and that habit went away. And it was an amazing thing. And he finally realized that I was so busy trying to take care of her that I did not realize that I needed to continue to grow and learn how to take care of myself. And so it really comes down to it that, yes, no matter what, if you live off the grid or if you live plugged in and happy to the matrix, you still have to learn how to take care of yourself. That may not be physically, but emotionally and mentally, it is still there and you can't outsource it. So the wisdom smack is, is to learn how to be emotionally aware, astute and available to yourself and others. And also take the time to learn how to be socially intelligent. That means looking at and learning your surroundings, your environment and what other people are doing, learn how to walk a mile in their in their shoes and, and learn how to see things from their, uh, their, their line of sight. And then you're going to be amazed at how much more you're able to take care of yourself and to be a, a part of society in a new and exciting way that you never knew. So guess what? You guessed it. My time is up and I sure want to thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another episode of Wisdom Smack. So guess what? I know if you're listening, you liked it. I hope you liked it. So do me a favor and I want you to like, subscribe, share, comment, rate and review and get the word out. And also don't forget to support the podcast whenever you shop at Amazon by using our link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. That's going to do it for today's session of our podcast with some smack. I'm going to see you tomorrow.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.